Hi, Cherise here with a special announcement. You can now enjoy select episodes of Detailed in video form. That's right. Detailed is now available on RCAT's YouTube channel. Now, you may be thinking, I already listened to the podcast. No need to watch it on YouTube. Well, trust me, if you don't want to miss out, even if you're an avid listener of the podcast, the video format is a completely different experience. Not only is it like hanging out with us, but you also get to hear parts of the conversation that were left on the cutting room floor. You can also see the photos, drawings, and video as we discuss the incredible projects that are featured. Come join us on YouTube. Follow the link in our show notes, and let's get into the details. This is an original podcast by RCAT. Try the number one most used website for finding building product information and save time and money. No registration is required with RCAT, so try it today and get ahead on your next project. Visit RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. Visit RCAT.com forward slash podcast to see photos, details, and more related project and product information that we discussed today. This is Detailed, an original podcast by RCAT. I am your host, Sharice Lakeside, Senior Specification Writer at RDH Building Science and fondly known as the CSI Kraken. We will speak with professionals who share their insights into the most complex, interesting, and odd building conditions and the ingenuity it took to make it work. Join me as I pull back the curtain on the building industry and uncover the lessons learned. You'll gain valuable knowledge to help you better navigate your next project. Hello, and welcome to Detailed. Today, I am thrilled to welcome not one, but two guests to the show. Joining me in our virtual studio is Mark Oberholzer and Sean Martino, hopefully I didn't just butcher that, Associate Principals at KTGY in Los Angeles. Over the last five years, Mark has been at the forefront of KTGY's expertise in innovative construction techniques, harnessing the design possibilities of modular construction, bearing steel stud systems, and heavy timber. Mark sees construction technology as another part of the context of design, bringing a conviction that collaboration, imagination, hard work, and a sense of humor are the best tools for reaching the goal of better design. Sean has managed and coordinated design teams of architects, engineers, and consultants, along with creating project schedules and meeting client expectations and budgets. Over the years, he has worked with contractors, subcontractors, and vendors during construction, which involves everything from managing the project team and consultants, reviewing submittals and products, meeting project milestones, and representing the client. The project we are going to talk about today is the Eads Building in Morgan Hill, California. The Eads Building fills the gap in a key intersection in downtown Morgan Hill, helping to knit together a consistent pedestrian promenade experience and providing multiple uses within the two-story structure. The building accommodates the need to raise it above a floodplain with a concrete plinth that integrates steps, an accessible ramp, and planters while providing a unique aesthetic to fit into an eclectic urban context. 
I made it. The shape of the building mediates scale between neighbors and is influenced by views of the surrounding rolling hills. But I'm going to let my guests tell you a little bit more about this really interesting project. Let's, we'll start with you, Mark. Tell me a little bit more about this building. What's the story behind this project, the history, the aspirations, the goals that you were trying to meet here? Yeah. So the thing about this project is it's kind of uh, unique in a lot of ways. And um, it really is at the center, the crossroads of Morgan Hill, which is a, a little um, you know Northern California town, which has an art scene and a kind of cultural scene. And a lot of people really committed to um, making it even stronger. And so this client has a number of businesses and art galleries, restaurants, and um, really saw this as an empty spot in the in the mouth. Of, <laughs> it's horrible. An empty. It's not an empty. <laughs> it saw it as a, a, an important space that needs to be filled in downtown Morgan Hill to really keep increasing the visibility and I guess the interest in bringing outsiders into the city. I saw a wine bar and it was like, okay, I'm in. When am I going down to Morgan Hill to visit this project? Yeah, that well, that's that's definitely a draw. And I think one the the program really was art gallery, yes, but also wine bar event space. Like uh, artists come and teach classes, um, and you know, just a variety of exhibitions and a variety of artworks with the focus on regional artworks. So there's um, you know jewelry, there's big sculpture works, there's paintings, watercolors, across lots of media showcasing the uh, regional expertise in the arts. I was just really enthralled reading about this. Some of the unique features, what's what's different about this building? The, the main thing that's different, it's not our typical project type that we do at KTGY. So this is a little bit different out of the normal that we do, which is mainly a lot of residential and hospitality. So this was a little different approach for us being an art gallery, and it's a small, kind of smaller scale project for us. But the nice thing about it is it was an opportunity to kind of express what we can do as a company and what we can do with design and integrate something into a space like this. And one of the unique things was that gave us an opportunity was to start to um, look into mass timber. You know, mass timber is making a pushback to kind of, it's back into the codes now, being allowed to be permitted as a construction type. So we thought this was an opportunity to kind of integrate that, this project into with Mass Timber. So that was one of the things that was exciting about this, along with a lot of the challenge that came with this project, just being in a FEMA a floodplain zone. So we had to raise the building two feet up off the grade. So um, it definitely made some challenges to it, but it gave us an opportunity just to really express what we can do as a team together and how we, how we work well together to make this project. I want to tag on to that. I think that the mass timber, I mean, there's this moment, which I think many people are aware of. There's a sort of trifecta of factors. One is really the kind of growing expertise and availability of digital fabrication, which is really what you need. The second is really shortage of labor. And the third really is the really necessity for greater sustainability from the, the basic structural system up. And we're both, both Sean and I, we are all about technology and, you know, leading edge, leading, but hopefully not <laughs> leading edge technology. But um, 
but we don't suggest it just for the heck of it, you know, and this building seemed to be the perfect place to go with mass timber because of the spans involved and also the program and, and, and architecturally as well. We wanted to really make a different kind of art gallery. Well, I know um, when I was reading some of the information and, you know, I'm reading words like rotating walls that pivot and a lit up staircase kind of lighting the way. And what inspired, I want to hear more about the staircase and pivoting walls. This is a small building. So really the storage and display needed to be very kind of fused together. Um, So all the walls, really all the walls surfaces in a traditional white box gallery would be like, yeah, stick your paintings on them and there's a storage room somewhere else. This building was very much like, once you put the storage, you don't have any walls left practically. So what do we do about that? So that was, hey, what we're going to do is do casework where the storage are all kind of these linear racks that pull out. It looks like a big piece of furniture, but you pull it out and have have, uh, works mounted on them, flat works. And then really the ability to reconfigure the space was was where that sort of pivot, uh, the pivoting art walls, which is not simple to do, right? Big headache. Um, but we, we, have, we think we figured it out. I mean, we haven't built it yet, but it seems fine. So these pivots, you can move them out of the way. You can turn them all to make a big wall. You can make incremental walls, super flexible. And so it is like a machine for art. I think that's an apt description of it. And so that level of detail and integration is really exciting to us. It sounds like a fabulous way to solve the problem. Efficiency is my thing. And so when you find a way to, to use that space in more, way than, more ways than one, and, and I imagine it's uh, going to be easier to access that art as well than going back to some room buried somewhere that everything is piled into. Yeah, it's very elegant. So someone comes in they're interested in watercolors. Well, let me pull these out right right here, not send someone scurrying to the back room like a shoe store, you know? Yeah, I love that. We'll have to have you back once it's built so we can talk about what did you design and what did you end up with? What, you know, once you get going, sometimes things don't, all, usually there's something that doesn't come together quite the way you expected. Yeah, and I, I think that can backfire and sometimes that can make it better. Right. There's the there's the vision and then there's the reality. And hopefully the reality is even better. We'll see. Sean, can you tell me about what were some of the um, biggest design challenges as you tackled this and maybe specifically design challenges? And and what did you do to solve those problems? I, I don't like the word problem. You know, it's you've got things you have to make work. Doesn't mean it's necessarily a problem. You just have to figure it out. Um, What were some of yours? What can you tell our listeners about what you tackled and how you tackled it that might help something they're doing at work tomorrow? You know, one of the challenges obviously was us just learning mass timber and understanding what mass timber is and how it works and how it goes together. And one advantage that we had on this building being the scale of the building and the construction type, it allowed us to expose a lot of the CLT, which are the planks for the floor system and the roof. But I think the initial approach is everybody just approaches a, a space that you're, you're going to drop in a ceiling. You're going to stick everything up above that ceiling below the structure itself. But we're like, well, wait, we, we've got this premium material. We need to learn how to expose it and take advantage of that. So it's part of the finished space. So you're not 
creating a second layer of that. So there was a lot of pulling the team back, the whole design team, not just us internally, but also our consultants. Is this pulling them back to really, really think about this stepping back and looking at the bigger picture and not using your day-to-day that you would typically do when you're doing these kind of buildings. Um, so it gives an opportunity for everybody to learn and also just come up with new solutions of how you can approach this. So it's really just getting that whole team to kind of step back and understand, hey, we've got opportunities here. Let's find those and let's make the best out of this building. So that was definitely, I think it was a challenge, but it, it gives us an opportunity to find solutions. It looks beautiful. So I, I want to know how you how you guys worked at lifting this building up two feet. So the whole idea, and I think we talked about this at the beginning, was to fill in a gap in the retail experience. And retail doesn't want to sit up two feet or 30 inches, right? Super awkward. And all the other retail that was built earlier before the flood plane raises down. So we're like, okay, we have a problem on our hands. What do we do with it? And so we really thought of, well, we're going to express that and not try to hide it. We're going to express it as like a, a plinth. And it is a concrete plinth the building sits on and integrates the accessible ramp, integrates stairs, integrates some seating. So it's sort of like a big piece of uh, multifunction street furniture. You can perch yourself. You know, you can plant your teenager there while you go look at art because they won't. Um, <laughs> I have some of those. And, and integrate lighting into it. So how do you turn, basically, how do you turn a problem into a feature? And, and that's some sort of big thinking. I, I, I love that solution. Um, another thing that's kind of a, a topic near and dear to my heart, because I've worked in more than one discipline, what, what were some of the, uh, things that went really well about the collaboration? Because we, we tend to get in silos in this industry and not talk to each other the way we should or share information the way we should, what things went really great. And, you know, tell me about a couple of things that you could have done a little better. For me, I, I think it was just this little bit of the learning curve, I think just kind of maybe having a little bit more due diligence up front to understand what we were going to be dealing with or how to kind of um, resolve some of these things that would come up. And then I think just next time taking more advantage of using a system like Revit and doing a BIM model where you can really coordinate everything between all the parties and all the consultants and having that information in there. Because when you're trying to strip stuff away and trying to push it aside and expose the mass timber or the CLT, I think it would help. And just having that live on those coordination calls and meetings to have that information readily available instead of trying to explain it in a two-dimensional drawing sometimes, just open up that model and have that conversation really quickly to expedite that. Um, so I think it's just, just looking uh, different ways to use the tools that we have to really help us kind of solve those uh, challenges um, and finding the solutions to those. So I think that's one of the things that, that I took away from it. Well, yeah, I have a funny thing, which which starting we never thought about, right? I mean, we're basically exposing the mass timber on the inside. And then, you know, we've got this significant casework. We, we've got this wood stair. We've got a lot of wood. We've got wood soffits on the outside that come inside. There's a lot of wood. And, and kind of what we realized was is not going to match. You know what I mean? Like what we want it to be is seamless and perfect. Like it's built out of the same wood. And it's like, well, the thing is the mass timber, you have less control over the actual color, right? The, come, where does it come from? What forest does it come from? What manufacturer does it come from? And I think that if we had known what we did, 
I think we might have approached the wood species a little differently. Because you can get anything you want. The question is, do you want to pay for it? And the whole idea of getting some sort of like specially colored structural mass timber panels is not really the ethic of what we were going for. Right. I think that's something that maybe a lot of people don't always think about. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Most typical commercial buildings anyway. I mean, they you know, the structure is kind of just holding up the finishes and you don't, you know, the the sort of exposed structure is um, pretty rare. I mean, we see it a lot in publications like in museums and stuff, but really for 95% of buildings, it's really hang the finishes on the structure. And with this mass timber, no, it's not, the, it doesn't work that way. So it's a little bit of a mind shift, but it makes it interesting, but it does change <laughs> the focus of what you're focusing on, if I could say that? Well, I think anything that forces us out of our box to look at something with a new perspective only helps in this business. I mean, it's really easy to get into a tunnel and not kind of turn that globe around a little bit and look at it from at, in different ways. Oh, speaking of that, so we've got a retail building. It's a two-story retail building, which is sort of like a no-no in the retail world. We just didn't have enough site though. So we needed that second floor. And really that made us think about no one will ever go up there unless they want to go up there. So we really kind of made it a big architectural move on the interior and the exterior. And so, so now it's like, heck, I want to get up to the second floor. That's the first place I want to go. Cause it's going to be, I, I just got to see what's at the top. I imagine they also needed it to be somewhat of an event space. For, I mean, if it's an art gallery, there's going to be shows and you have to typically serve food and wine and, you know, and you put in, well, so the wine bar, where's the wine bar? Is that upstairs? It's on the ground floor. It's just towards the back of the space, but you see it from the outside. So it's below the stair that's going up to the second floor. There's a space back there at the end of the street there that you can see that that would actually draw you. So as you're walking down the street, and Morgan Hill, you know, you're going to see there's a gallery space. You're going to see the stair drawing upstairs, but you also see some other kind of use happening towards the back of the building, um, which is the wine bar and the cafe. So that's on the ground floor. So you would walk your way through the, the art gallery, through those rotating display cases from the storage. And then you have a space in the back that's kind of its own space, but it's connected and open to each other. But they're defined where you have the wine bar and the cafe. And then the upstairs is mainly gallery space with a little bit of back of house and storage, but a little less. And a big sparkling staircase saying, come up here and see what I got. I'm sorry, you put sparkles on it. I'm going up. It's it's just a given. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, it really is thought of as a kind of event, architectural event, if you can forgive the uh, analogy. But really, there's and lighting throughout the gallery is super interesting. You know, there's there's lighting that you need in certain places, and then there's lighting that really creates a mood overall. And so, what we've got is basically some mm, hidden, semi-hidden, subtle lighting that lights that stair shaft. But then also, we've got some pretty fantastic looking decorative fixtures that kind of uh, hang over you. And that's another thing you want to kind of get up closer to. Because when you get up to the second floor, you can look through the stair and see those uh, fixtures close up. 
Well, it sounds beautiful. My final question today, if you were king of the world and had absolute complete control over everything and you could just overnight change one thing in this industry to make it better and just everybody would do that one thing better and it would never be a problem again, what would that be? That is a good question. Um, I think it's we would slow down and think about what we're doing, right? Yeah, project schedules are tight. Yeah, they're demanding. All, all the reasons why y- you need to rush, right? Including getting to your vacation and all that stuff. But really, if we could slow everything down 10%, just 10%, that's all I ask, is that we would be able to have the discussions internally and externally with clients and with consultants and and jurisdictions about what matters and and what could make a project better and why it should be better. So I would say if we could just slow down 10%, that's my answer. That would be my kingly order. And universally, over and over for years, we need better communication. But, you know, how do we? I don't know how we change that. So, Sean, if you got to wear the crown and you were king of the world, what's the first thing that you would fix? How about uh, take Mark out? (laughs) That's not cool. And it's not cool. (laughs) He owes you a beer for that one. I guess there's a couple of things. So definitely, I mean, communication is one thing, but I think tying into that communication is always coming to the table with a solution. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be hurdles that we have to go over instead of just not just complaining about things, but actually identifying things and coming up with a solution and coming to the table and having those conversations and communicating amongst different people to come up with that solution and how to push things forward. Um, and one of the things I'd like to see push forward is to just more diversity, more female representation in the A and C, A, E and C um, industry. Um, I, I think there's a slow movement. It's not where I would think it would be by this time, but that's one thing I'd like to see. And that's a challenge. So what are the solutions? How do we make that push forward and open that up a little bit more? Well, I I love that. And I think that in order to broaden our perspectives, regardless of what it is, we have to open our minds. And the more that we open our minds and and get out of these tunnels and in these silos that we live in in this industry oftentimes. And and I, I love the promoting critical thinking. It's like, don't come to me with the problem. Come to me with the problem, but maybe some ideas, even if none of them will work. Think it through a little bit, some ideas of how we can fix this or, you know, because otherwise it's useless. And and I I think the whole world in general could benefit from opening their minds a little bit. But I I love those answers. And gentlemen, I want to thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more, Visit rcat.com forward slash podcast to see photos, details, and more related project and product information that we discussed today. While you're there, take a look around rcat.com. For over 30 years, rcat has been the resource for AEC professionals to find the right products for their project. Try rcat and see how their tools can save you time and money and help you get ahead on your next project. Visit rcat.com. 
That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. If you enjoyed the show, you can support us by subscribing, leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and sharing this with your friends. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back to share more stories and lessons learned to help you navigate your next project.